Hello, world singers. My name is Brooke. And I'm Tyler. And this is Cosmere Conversations. Welcome back, everyone. We are concluding our Rhythm of War series. Our Rhythm of War series is finally coming to its conclusion at a beautiful, nice, round, holy number of 20. 20 episodes we have had since the launch of Rhythm of War all the so way last year. So crazy to think year. about it. Yeah, we, we've been talking about Rhythm of War for a very long time. We've reread it a couple of times, re-listened to it more than once. <laughs> we have had a great time with Rhythm of War, and we want to first thank everyone for being amazing listeners and contributing on all the different places like the Facebook, the Twitter. Definitely. People send us messages. It's oh so nice to hear from you. We, of course, have the Patreon with a bunch of like exclusive episodes and fun stuff like that. It's been a big year for Cosmere Conversations. And it's all because of you, the listener. So thank you so much. This will be our last time asking for ratings, reviews, write something, share it with your friend. Then the summer is over. And then we ride off into the sunset and take a short break. We are going to be breaking for probably about a month of no new episodes after this one, the one that you're listening to right now, or if you're in the future, we took off September 2021. On that note, let's start off with some feedback from the listeners. First one comes from Anthony, and he said, I had a fun thought while listening to you two talk about honor and cultivation. Given that the Knights Radiant at at least their spren, are mostly a mix of honor and cultivation. Now that we've seen honor and odium can be successfully mixed, what if there is a possibility of an entire group of surge-binding knights from odium plus honor? That might explain that other double-eyed diagram and the Way of Kings end pages. It might also help with the book title, Katek. I'm not going to read that, but yeah. Everyone knows what we mean. (laughs) Instead of the Knights Radiant, he posits that it may be something like Knights of Warlight or Knights of War or something like that. And he says, just a crazy idea that hit me. And I know at least Tyler likes crazy theories. And I do. So, Anthony, thank you for bringing (laughs) this to my attention. I feel like this makes me think that I'm being like pegged as the boring one of our duo. <laughs> no, everyone knows that you are the knowledgeable, the insightful. I'm like, am I the steris of the group? Just really boring. <laughs> you definitely know that you're the steris of the group, but not that our group is so boring that you are the steris as represented. You're the steris of the group. That doesn't mean that you are steris. But Anthony brings what I think is a couple of good points. We've obviously been already speculating about the possible final title of the fifth book in the Stormlight Archive, which to follow the pattern of the Katek would have to be K-O-W. Yes. The reverse of W-O-K from Way of Kings. So Knights of Warlight, that's dope. Love it. Yeah. Do I think that's correct? I have no idea. Yeah. King of War, maybe? I don't know. Or he just goes full in and it's like Knights of the Cosmere or something. <laughs> I do think this is an interesting idea about there potentially being a group of surge binders drawing on honor and odium. We have talked in the past about how we haven't necessarily seen any spren that are a mix of honor and odium, though, because we've seen void spren, which seem to be just purely odium. And we haven't really seen anything else in between. So I feel like that would have to happen first. But maybe Venli is an emulsifier. Back to that episode that we had a couple of times ago. We know that she is holding a... Yeah, but that's my point. She's using she's using two different spren. Exactly. Whereas in regular, quote unquote, regular surge binding on Rashar, each spren that is used is already a composition of two different shards. Exactly. So if we follow the theory out, 
Venli is an emulsifier currently drawing from two different sources, and if her path continues, maybe what that will develop into is a merging of the two different sources in some way. She would have to be able to mush her void spren and the, what are they, light spren? Yes. Reacher? Into one. Like, they would have to have a baby or something. A baby spren. Ooh, that, that actually like follows up to some of the words of Brandon reacher. we're going to get to. It's a fun theory. We should keep it in the back of our mind. And remember that this also goes along with something we have been doing throughout the series, which is questioning the nature of Ten yeah. on Rashar. Ten seems weird, especially compared to other places in the Cosmere where multiples of four are more common, like our 16 over on Scadrail. So if there were some hidden mixtures we were unaware of, that would actually bump the number up to something I'm more comfortable with, <laughs> a, a product of four. We had talked previously as well about a steward who was a farukamist hiding with Perhaps. the Perhaps. I said I wasn't sure because there's only one line that's like, he wore a lot of rings. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if this is actually trying to highlight him as a farukamist. I just think he is. And apparently it has been confirmed by word of Brandon in one of the YouTube live streams. Anthony also gave us that gem. He is also the same Farukamist that is the owner of the Aviar and the one that, again, per word of Brandon, is keeping an eye on Dalinar. So we had. They're all one in the same. Yeah, we had somehow speculated that they could have been different Farukamists from mm -hmm. different places. Brandon seems to have solidified them into one character that was just mentioned from other characters' perspectives. Yeah. And so thanks to Anthony for pointing that out. Several fans have actually given us the inspiration for this episode, which is a rhythm of war, word of Brandon spectacular. <laughs> we are going to be pulling from the most recent, and again, this will go live on August 31st, 2021, but the most recent Word of Brandon series, we are going to pull out every little gem from and try to get as much of the spoilers from Rhythm of War, questions like this about the Farukamist, and many, many others all jammed into this one episode. Before we dive in, let's just hit one last comment that we got from a podcast listener, Stan. Stan said, the most recent two podcasts have me developing a theory, very early days, about stones having memories, microkinesis, axi, and divination. I can't help but think about human nature and determinism. The idea that because everything is made of atoms, you could predict the movement of atoms and then you could predict the future in the universe, this could also pro probably show the past, maybe will shapers and stone wardens can manipulate or understand the very atoms of structures, and this is how they can divine the future and rewatch the past. I love this theory that Stan has presented, and I think that it's very close to being accurate. Yeah, Obviously, super interesting theory. Yeah, we'll get more information, not just about the stone wards, but also the truth watchers and other yeah. beings in the Cosmere that have a tendency to see the future or predict the future. And then what is that based off of? For example, if the truth watchers were using a type of future site that was pulling from the spiritual realm, but Odium was corrupting that maybe through one of the unmade, but let's just say there are corrupting influences on that. Maybe the stone wards actually have a loophole because they're not using oh, the spiritual They're realm. going straight to the stones. Going through the stones, exactly. As Stan pointed out, maybe yeah. that's a possible uh, check on some of these rules or warnings about not listening to people who can see the future. It should be, don't listen to anyone who says they can see the future, except for stone words, because they're actually seeing the past. I do wonder, yeah, I wonder how much this would really apply to divining the future, at least as far as we've seen and from what it sounds like in the Ars Arcanum, it sounds like this is much more of a past-seeing scenario in terms of the stone knowing. Yes. Because the stone is just remembering. It's not, we haven't seen it predict anything. 
I did so. throw out my Teravangian theory that this is actually because stone wards are of cultivation and cultivation somehow gave Teravangian the ability to have his great day without future sight as per Odium. What if the mechanism was you give access to the stones and like a bunch of intelligence and then you're able to predict based on all of the past events, like you have the entire historical record. I think that's kind of what Stan is getting at is if you had all this information, you yeah. could make very accurate predictions like Teravangian did. Sure. So that is a crazy theory that we're just starting off with. Just at the top, normally I bury these 30 to 40 <laughs> minutes down. No, right here in the beginning. So thank you, Stan, for bringing up the crazy theories and everyone for their participation on the different fun stuff social meds and whatnot. Our words of Brandon from today are all going to be from, like you said, the most recent instance of Brandon speaking publicly, which was at JordanCon 2021, just a few weeks ago, as you're listening to this, or rather, as this podcast is published. First one, we're going to start with this question, quote, in Celebrant, Kaladin looks at a metallic necklace. Will that necklace help us? Is it a necklace? Is it a? Will that accessory help us, Bren, keep its human esque form outside of Shadesmar? Raffo. I there, plain Brandon, obviously, get to just say Raffo. <laughs> yeah. But I, we have talked about this necklace. We have talked about some of the other accessories that have appeared in Rhythm of War. Yeah. Now I'm wondering if this is that same, like, chain mm-hmm. that is referenced as being able to anchor you through a perpendicularity they i'm Bonnie assuming Elheim. that yeah this is where that question this question is coming from that the questioner is basically asking is this necklace that chain and would this be the key to helping a spren appear corporally in the physical realm like ishar is trying to make them do I think this is great speculation, and it really does line up with the way that this chain, Rabaniel's chain, and Ashar were all kind of introduced, but as one-offs or as like, Mm -hmm. you know, side events to the main. Yeah, do we even know if Rabaniel actually has that chain, or is it just suspected? The way that they were introduced as kind of bit characters or bit (laughs) accessories in this moment, and therefore could then all come together in another later story. Mm-hmm. That makes sense to me. Brandon obviously giving nothing away. So we will assume <laughs> that it is the most magical of items possible. Yes. Let's go to the next one from Ted. What's Raiden been up to lately? Raffo. Definitely Raffo that one. I feel like even the Raffos tell you at least a little bit. Like if Raiden hadn't been up to something and presumably something important, then it wouldn't have gotten a raffo. Brandon's also got to sell books. So, you know, (laughs) go out and buy the next one, kids. I think that we get disconnected from some of these characters, Raiden, and maybe even like Siri and Susebron and those characters from Warbreaker, where we have had some of their influences, Vasher and Vivenna, show up later. But a lot of them, you know, it's been a decade or more since their stories were originally written. Yeah. And they haven't woven into the more recent stories. And so I think that where we left Raiden and where we left Elantris, remember that was a chaotic oh ending yeah. to that. And the whole premise Elantris of that- is just like- Nothing really happens until the Everything very happens. End. Yeah. And then it sets up like invading armies and clashes between these different countries and civilizations. And yeah. Our main characters are all at the center of it. And magic has been restored, but maybe not fully restored. Like there's a bunch of stuff that could be happening. And there's another actually super interesting word of Brandon about uh, the planet Cell. Let's find that one. Yeah. Someone later asked... Is Jadeth a Dawn Shard? And Brandon apparently sang Rafo. I don't know if that's how he sang it, but that's how I sang it. <laughs> then it's perfect. <laughs> and I just thought that was a very interesting question. Can you is, remind the listeners who Jadeth is? Jadeth is the name of the god that the Dakor monks 
worship. Yes. Harathin is our character, who's the Dekor monk from Elantris, and they worship Jadeth. He is called the god of death, is he not? I think he's called the god of quite a few things, but there mm. is also like a legend of him uh, sort of like being buried in the earth, I believe, and sort of like existing inside the planet, which is very interesting because we know that the powers of the shards on Cell are manifesting yes, themselves into the earth. earth. Yeah. I don't think that that's a coincidence, and I find that very interesting. Like maybe... Well, I guess we know the names of the vessels. I was going to say, maybe that's the vessel name, but no, that's not it. Still interesting, though. Lots of speculation possible. And I think that how Brandon ties Elantris, Emperor Soul, and Warbreaker back into the main series is going to be really interesting because we can obviously see a lot of the big motions of both Stormlight and Mistborn and see how those are kind of different tunes playing off one another, uh, but are going to intersect in some way. Whereas how does a world where the magic is very geographically based then get into the rest of the Cosmere? Maybe it is something that is figured out on Cell. For example, we know that Seons have gotten off Cell to be used as the communication devices. Maybe there is a lot of effort going on on cell to like unclip their magic system from their geographic limitations or maybe they get more powerful in the cognitive realm as we see the irie building an yes, entire city inside point. the cognitive realm yeah maybe yeah they disconnect from their geography by just disconnecting from the physical realm and yeah. they just go all into the cognitive yeah Super like i don't know <laughs> We want to take some time to also discuss the soul harvesting dagger yes. of Rabaniel. And this is, well, there was a question about it at JordanCon, but in reading the transcript of it, this is the first time that I have seen the translation of this art page that's in Rhythm of War. And I thought about it quite a few times like, hmm, I wonder if anyone has translated this art page yet, but I didn't see anything in a brief perusal. And so this question led me to the translation from the women's script to English. And this is from Navani and Rabaniel's Rhythm of War in World Text. Notebook. Yes. yes. So would you prefer to play Navani or Rabaniel? I'll be Navani. Excellent. This comes from the page where the dagger is drawn out and it is a symmetrical blade edges on each side and of course has the vein running down the middle. The white gold metal vein down the middle conducts investiture. Rabaniel calls the metal racium and says there's not enough in this dagger to collect her soul or that of a herald. I'm not sure I believe her. Navani is right not to believe. I have given her few reasons to trust me. After all, but in this thing I do not lie. Why give into my enemy's hands the means to destroy me? I will proceed with my experiments. Our discovery of war light, paired with my eventual understanding of this dagger, might yield a way to stop this war. Though I think we disagree on what an acceptable end to the war actually looks like. The ruby is housed in a metal other than racium. Silver, maybe? I can confirm. The metal is not racium, but a silver-nickel alloy and does not affect the dagger's function. I suspect the vein of racium continues through the dagger's hilt and somehow attaches to the ruby at its base. The racium vein is removable, reversible, and conducts investiture directly to the gemstone. Touching the dagger to half of the ruby does not pull out the half-spren. Cracking one half, however, allows the spren to escape. The dagger immediately pulls the spren along the racium vein and into the gem at its base. Because of this, questioner page runner asked the silver nickel alloy that is used in Rabaniel's dagger is that going to do the opposite effect like pushing versus pulling of what silver does to shades on threnody brandon says raffo good question good question <laughs> i thought that was an interesting thought especially as it is an alloy and we know that these things sometimes have correspondences 
well, it's a great looking out for a corresponding element or yeah. way that this could work. What I found most interesting from the actual text translation was the bit about racium vein being removable and reversible. We saw that in World. Of course. And I think that what is key is something that Brandon also mentions later that we're going to get to about how the name racium is not necessarily like universal across the system. It is oh, yeah. local. Can we go to that? We've seen that in a few different ways. For example, Raukalust and aluminum. Of course. Mm-hmm. And also we have kind of a, a similar thing, I believe, with Laracium, Atium, and Harmonium. And oh, the change really? over time. Well, because of what Brandon says. Okay. Let's go to it. The questioner asks, when a shard changes hand, like it did with Zazed, does the god metal change names and or properties? It can. It doesn't as a rule. So it'll still be racium. Yes. Well, the name, you would change the name probably, but it shouldn't necessarily do anything different. The name that it's given is cultural, so you would continue to call it that. People might call it that. I think people in world would call it something else, but it depends on the person. Now, I find this very interesting because going back to the dagger, if we had that vein of racium and we saw its effect in Rhythm of War, could we remove that vein and replace it with another god metal, for example, oh. Tanavastium? I mean, yeah, I think you could... Theoretically, replace it with anything. You could replace it with aluminum or whatever. What I think is more interesting is the fact that it can be reversed, which indicates that this metal has some type of polarity or like Mm -hmm. it has a sense of direction in it can either like send the investiture out or suck it in. I think this is I think that is very interesting. So my speculation is that maybe with a exact same blade but with a vein of tanavastium reversed in the correct direction you could create a herald you could take a bunch of investiture in the hilt and put it into a mortal person making a herald well we don't know how heralds are actually made exactly this would be speculation for how to create a herald yeah i would i'm thinking it's the reverse of what happened to rabaniel which is that it sucks out her soul? Yes, exactly. You're like putting so much investiture that it is the equivalent of a soul into a person. Interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's also kind of like a little bit hemolurgy-ish. Yes. And on mm. that note, Page Runner, the questioner from before, actually asked another question about hemolurgy, where they said, quote, the hemolurgy table, you wrote down, ATM steals any power. Laracium is all abilities. Necrosil is investiture. What's the difference between those three? Hemallergic atium, laracium, and necrosil. What is powers, abilities, and investiture? People are invested in ways that do not give them active powers. So for instance, everyone on Nalthus is invested. Everyone in the Cosmere is really You want to steal their investiture, but they don't have a power. You're still ripping off a piece of their soul. So there is a distinction between the actual investiture that is a human being and a specific power that they have. So that distinction is pretty easy. You can also, with hemallergy, steal specific things. You can steal just general investiture. You can steal... If you want, this is where the conjure blessings come from. You can instead steal specific things that are not like stealing allomancy, stealing, for instance, someone's mental acuity. So abilities is like the half that's all the strength, speed, and all that kind of stuff. Those are abilities versus the metallic arts, which are all powers. Yes. Then investiture, is that off-world magics? No, no. It's the raw power. Nicrosil is their soul. Yes, a piece of their soul, essentially. So how would you go about stealing an off-world power? It's going to depend. A breath you would steal with Nicrosil. It's general investiture is what you would probably call that. You could forcibly remove someone's breath from them. The ability to be a sandmaster you would steal with the power ability. And in quote. Whole bunch of stuff there. And I think that there are 
many different elements that we've seen in action and we kind of vaguely understand or partially understand. But this is a huge element of the greater Cosmere is like, how will powers be taken, stolen, voluntarily given, and then mixed around from place to place? Yeah, I think this is really important and it has always been something that's made sense to me, but I've definitely had some issues and like communicating it with other people this difference between powers and abilities and investiture and like investiture is not necessarily the power like it's a different thing as brandon says it's the raw power the thing that like enables everything else and so i think making those sort of fine distinctions is going to only become more important as we continue to move forward in the cosmere Let's go to questioner King's Daughter 613, who <laughs> asks, I wanted to know if any of the non-returned cognitive shadows have had children. Yes. Boom shakalaka. That to me is a revelation. So the returned are obviously cognitive shadows sent back on Nalthus, and they seemingly could have children whenever they wanted to, because yeah. they're just, you know, regular people that are super powered. But a cognitive shadow that's not a returned has a lot of different forms they can be taking. Either Harold yeah. or Kelsier are really the ones that we know of primarily. And maybe, maybe Hoyd. <laughs> I don't think Hoyd is a cognitive shadow. I don't know, but it's one of the ways that we know that Hoyd things can live for a else. really long time is they are cognitive shadows and put back into a body in some way. I think Hoyd is just steeped in investiture and any being that is significantly invested will yeah be around for longer like having the fifth breath in yeah the fifth heightening yeah oh yeah fifth heightening makes you immune and ageless yeah so like that he could definitely be that by just any other form of investiture yeah that he has so much of or received because he was a don shard at one time like that type of agelessness true we do know that hoyd was a don shard so that's definitely a possibility but I also just want to throw out that I think a possible option is that Hoyd is really Hoyd Daddy, and he's just gone around the Cosmere just seeding the entire place with his little Hoydlings. I don't think that's likely. I think the most interesting speculation from this question is, like, are there Harold babies running around? Like, in particular, Ash and Talm, who seem to have a love affair do they have a child zone? Like, is Lyft the actual child of Ash and Tom and her mother that she talks about was actually like a surrogate? And that's why Lyft is so weird. <laughs> now I'm just totally making things up. I like it. You've joined the crazy theory realm. But this also supports my theory that perhaps that baby that Nail was holding is Nail's baby. I want it to be Nail's baby so bad. His actual child. Yes. I don't want to discount that theory. I think it's a possibility. And I think that this question points us to at least the possibility of many of the heralds having had children at one time. We have gotten some lots of different discussions about what son of Tanavast means versus son of honor. And if a shard can go out and have kids and have some lineage that ends with Lyran and Kaladin, then why not heralds? So I definitely think that our heralds could have been getting busy in some of their not war fighting days. You know, it was just like, hey, guys, we think we're pretty good at this point. So who's down to party? And there's, of course, the speculation and questions about all the other aspects of the Cosmere that we don't know of. Like we haven't seen a lot of cognitive shadows on other planets, but we would assume that they can exist there or do exist there in other forms. Continuing with King's Daughter. Asking, quote, when Warbreaker has the priest's daughter manipulate her breath, it doesn't appear to be permanently damaged afterwards. Like, Vivenna notes it flickers, but it seems to go back to what it was before. And Hoyd loses some when Odium does something very, very similar. Why is that? Yes, Odium was being more invasive and more destructive and is less practiced at what was happening. End quote. Which is basically exactly what we've said on this podcast. I'm so happy to be uh, affirmed by word of Brandon that Vasher is just extremely skilled in knowing how to manipulate breath and knowing the properties of breath and how to affect it 
without like destroying it. He has dexterity, whereas Odium is just like taking in a sledgehammer and is just like, let me do things. Certainly a newly powered Teravodium is going to be even more fresh and inexperienced with this power than someone yeah. like Zazed. And especially when you think about um, like when we see Vin ascend mm-hmm. to shard power, she comments quite extensively about the like learning curve of manipulating this power and how the power is swinging wildly and like doing crazy things. And she needs to learn finesse essentially. And Teravangian has not had this power for very long. And so you imagine it would be very similar to the same thing, almost like being in a new body and a body that is like mm, yeah. too big for you where you're like, oh my God, ah, I just like smacked my arm against that door. Oh, or like, you know, I tried to run five feet and I accidentally ran 20 feet instead. Like my body just kept going. There was a like elementary school level series of books that was like about body swapping a character for one reason or another. I can't remember if it was magical or scientific or was something. Was this Animorphs? No, it's not Animorphs at all. Oh, okay. No, because real people. So it was a perspective changing book for me because oh, it was- I a, think I remember this. It was like a boy and a girl, right? Yeah. A boy jumped into either his sister's body or like another girl. And so you saw from his perspective, all the weird things about being a girl- And then I think one time he like jumped into his gym teacher's body and his gym teacher was like a buff bodybuilder. And so he was one, an adult, and then two, like an insanely strong adult. And he commented once that uh, he was able to eat more than he'd ever eaten before because he was in this body that could just like consume calories. And I definitely, it was an early exposure to something that in that way of just like, oh, you can take your mind and imagine what it's like to be someone else. And I feel like that's definitely what some of our newly empowered characters would be dealing with. It's like, now I'm in a gym teacher's body, (laughs) but far more so. Another great question that was asked, quote, there is currently one dragon on Rishar. Before Tanavast died, were there two dragons on Rishar? (laughs) Rafo, nice try. (laughs) But Rafo. Such a good question. Definitely a great try by that questioner. I am intrigued. I don't think that Tanavast was a dragon, but good question. There certainly is a lot of speculation because of the implied romance, but I also... That's why... See, that's what I think, though. I think that's why Cultivation portrays herself as a human woman, because like her lover was a human, and so she embodied a human like to be with him that's why i think that tanavast was not a dragon because if they were both dragons they would have just been dragons you know yes but we have also seen the traveler a short one-off story that we have read in previous episodes where hoyd interacts with frost yeah in his human form and that to me is yeah but i don't see how that has any bearing on why Tanavast or Cultivation would choose a different form. Only to point out that it seems like a growing number of characters who were at the Shattering of Adenalsium were also in a dragon form. And we know that Dragon Steel is the big but also earliest book in the Cosmere. So I think that there's at least some speculation that all of the original vessels were dragons. Oh, well, you would think if that were the case, then when Atia and Laris died, when their bodies fall down, they would be dragon bodies. Oh, you're totally right there. Yeah. Okay. Ooh, interesting. Okay, so if Tanagas died for realsies and his body fell somewhere, it would have to be a dragon body. If he is a dragon, dragon. which I do not think he is. We know that there are, I believe, just three different types of beings from Yolen, which are humans, dragons, and something called Shodel. So I would assume that all vessels would fall into- One of those three. One of those three. Oh, man. There's so much we don't know about that. Yeah. It's just like a black hole in my brain. I like try to go back and then it's just like, (laughs) oh, there's nothing there. (laughs) I do 
want to circle back to that conversation about Ralkalest being aluminum because there was, at least for me, some interesting uh, linguistic tidbits uh, presented. The question was, quote, the specific word Ralkalest, it appears on multiple worlds. Why did you use that instead of just saying aluminum? This is mostly us just being cheeky. I like fantasy names for star metal, and I came up with Ralkalus because I go back and forth sometimes about how much I just want to call something what it is in translation, and how much I want to call, in this case, I decided Ralkalus sounds cool. It evokes the feeling of the people in the world viewing this metal, where they have this view of it as this mythical, magical sort of thing, and simply calling it aluminum doesn't convey that in the same way the mythology associated with it. So I use both, and it's like there's two different languages, and when I'm using Raukalus, it's more evoking their view of this metal. On Cell, Shai says one word and Rabaniel says another word, and neither of them are saying aluminum? Neither of them are saying some other word that doesn't exist in English? Right. They are both saying Raukalus would be a transliteration of the actual word in-world. But which language? Which transliteration? Oh, which language does Raukalith come from? I think Raukalith is probably originally Yolish, but I haven't actually sat down and written that down. But that's what I would say now, that we're looking for kind of a mythological level. And a lot of times if you're going to get a mythological term that's going to transfer across worlds, it's going to go back to what it was called on Yolin, right? Some of the words from Yolin are kind of like the way that we use Old English, or even Latin's weird in English, so it's not really Latin. Latin and Greek have both been incorporated into scientific terms for things, but ancient terms may be more like Hebrew. Sometimes there's just some words that feel mythological. Some Yolish terms, because of that, kind of flow through the Cosmere. End quote. I just loved that insight into the way that these words and concepts and ideas have like a point of origin and then are, you know, seeding throughout the Cosmere in different times and planets. And I do think Ralkalest is a really cool word and was a great choice. I agree. It does have that mythical yes. quality and just feels I don't magical. know what it is about it, but it has like a feeling And let's be good. honest, aluminum is also mythical and magical and just one of the craziest metals to when ever When you exist. say aluminum, though, I think of like foil in the kitchen. Yeah. I don't think of star metal. What if we said aluminum? No, still oh, okay. just, yeah, kitchen metal. <laughs> <laughs> Leftovers is what I think about that. I don't think that that is what Brandon is trying to evoke, hence Ralkalest. Hence Ralkalest. Another question, quote, if a cognitive shadow or a splinter gained connection to the physical realm, could they just transition through a perpendicularity to manifest a physical form or is something else required? Because Ashar was doing something where like he was connecting Spren? Yes, Ashar was doing something. And so for instance, Spren are going to be played a little differently than a cognitive shadow would be played. Like cognitive shadows, that's just not going to be enough. But Spren is much closer. This has to do with how much investiture is involved and how they're connected and things like this, but it's not quite enough in most cases. So Ishar was doing something in addition to just connecting the Spren to the physical realm. Yes, he was indeed doing something more. Fascinating. I find this thing with Ashar, the what was Ashar doing, because it comes at the end of Rhythm of War, it's and just it's like so a setup. Weird. Yeah, and it's just this huge setup for Dalinar's journey, which is also Kaladin and Zeth's journey at minimum, to discover the power of capital C connection. I feel like we're going to learn a lot. I can't wait to better understand it because... We have so many different speculations, but a lot of them do come down to a few basic questions about the nature of the Cosmere, and this capital C connection mystery is definitely one of them. On to the next one, which comes from Lady Lameness. But I'm sure you're not lame. 
Quote, the Inquisitors keep spikes in jars to stop the hemallergic decay. Is that clotted blood? Like, does it just work with clotted blood? It will. So what's going on here is the spikes have to... This is a weird Cosmere thing. The spikes have to think they're in a body and you got to trick them. You don't need to use blood, but that's the easiest thing that they could do to make it work. You could just leave it in a piece of meat. You can put the steak in a steak? You could put a steak in a steak. But there are plenty of ways to do this without doing that. But yeah, it's pretty gross. Not that I think they have consciousness very much, but I imagine that they're a bit stupid if they think that clotted blood is the same as a human body. Yes. You're just tricking the stupid piece of metal that has a little bit of extra investiture that has become slightly self-aware. And so it keeps its charge and doesn't... Yeah. There are much better modern ways of doing this that have started to be used. End quote. Now, I feel like that started to be used is of course, in reference to the events of Mistborn Era 2, where the villain, one of the villains, is harvesting people's powers and would need some way of maintaining those and preventing decay. So I feel like they might have figured out a couple of workarounds. But I love the idea that you could literally just have a pile of meat and pour some blood on top of it and then just keep your team allergic spikes in there like they are quills in like the old style writing when you had like three or four that were just stuck there for any time that you needed them pull that out and then spike yourself get some magic powers i think the idea of the spike being a stupid piece of metal that has become very very slightly self-aware is very interesting and i think it directly comes back not to anything from scadrill but to cell and soul stamps Oh, I was thinking more like Nightblood on a very, very small scale, obviously. I do agree that Nightblood is like an example of this, who has obviously become very self-aware. Right. But the soul stamps, the entire fundamental thing that the soul stamp is doing is tricking a inanimate object, a table, that it is some other form. And Yeah, this would be on a much Much more simple scale. scale. Yes, but I feel like the... Kind of a similar idea. There's certainly, as Brandon mentions, it's a weird Cosmere thing. It's not a weird (laughs) Scadrian thing or Hemalurgy thing. It's a weird Cosmere thing. And I think that concept that we also see on Rashar, of course, about knowing who you are and being connected to the different realms and how that, you know, slight differences... And slight breaking points can then allow for investiture to get in in peculiar ways. On the subject of investiture and connection, another question, quote, has Wits bonding a cryptic bound him to Rashar tighter? Yes, asterisks. Uh, the reason for the asterisk on Wit is you've seen him off world since then. So just be aware there is an issue there. But yes, it's very similar. And I'm just thinking, when have we seen Wit after, like, off-world after the events of Oathbringer? Mistborn Era 2. Is he in Mistborn Era 2? Yes, because if you remember the letter from Harmony, he is planning on creating Wax. He's planning on creating his sword. At the time that he writes the letter, which if we assume that the letter is at least exactly perfect in Oathbringer in terms of the timeline and that there's no like delay in communication, then Wit receives that letter from Harmony either before Wax is born or before Harmony has molded him into the guy that we see. So there's at least 40 or 50 years uh, for Wax's development Hmm. that Harmony's got to be playing around with there. And Yeah, I'm not totally clear on like the exact timeline of when Era 2 lines up with Stormlight, if it's like cleanly after all of the events of Stormlight 1 through 5. I believe it is. there is some overlap. There could be a little bit of overlap, but the main events that we see with the book, like I think their lives could be overlapping. Wax is in his 40s. Yeah. So I think their lives could be overlapping, but the main events that we see in Mistborn Era 2 all happen after Stormlight Book 5. Hmm, that's interesting. And I guess we do see Hoy, doesn't he appear as the carriage driver a few times? Yes. And he chats and becomes great friends with Wayne. And he does start the events that lead to the coin that begins Wax's events comes from Hoyd. Yeah. And so he's 100% off world 
at Hmm. least after book five. Yep. Good point. Good point. Very interesting. The question, I think, is how does Hoyt get off? Because are we to assume that he broke his bond with his cryptic? Or is there something, going back to one of our very first questions, with these accessories that may allow for travel between the different realms or to, like, bind a spren and a person in the physical realm together tighter where they can travel together? Um, Like, if you could loop a... If Hoyt could take the accessory, kind of like the chain, and loop it around his spren, tie them together, and then walk through the cognitive realm <laughs> and stay close to one another. Yeah, there's some interesting questions. I just always put Hoyt in his own category. Yes, and there's like, the Venn diagram you know. of things, and then there's a whole other bubble. Exactly. Hoyt is the dot on top of the eye. <laughs> another interesting question about Mistborn Era 2 slash maybe Mistborn Era 3? No, probably Mistborn Era 2. Question. Are they, Wax and Steris, gonna have kids? Spoiler, but yes. Ah! There will be children of Wax and Steris. Oh, I'm so excited. I feel like this had to happen only because the magic powers on Scadriel are so bloodline oriented yeah but not for long there's going to be technology but i feel like you want to keep that element of a changing world around them so now the person who is magically gifted is outcast but in a different way not because they're like super super amazing but because they're like hunted and they are you know like the oppressed where everyone has powers but they need to get it from people who are naturally born. So maybe that sets up a little bit of the 1980s, late 20th century, Mistborn Era 3, is there's like governments hunting oh for naturally 1984. Occurring. Exactly. On Scadrial. I don't want that to happen, but it seems very bad if you're following the path of Earth from late 19th century to 20th century, like there's a whole bunch of bad things that happen well, in that time period. Well, let's just go back to being happy about Wax and Steris, baby. Okay. Wax and Steris are going to have a baby. baby. And I think that baby's going to have magic powers, like a boatload <laughs> oh of magic gosh. powers. Maybe not that many. I think What if they had a baby powers. and it didn't get any powers? You know, like genes are very unpredictable. In the past, there were allomancers who had non- allomantically powered kids of course ellen being the prime example yeah i think that Ooh, that would be rough it wouldn't be great it's never great when your parents are like superheroes that are saving the world all the I mean, time steris also doesn't have any powers her superpowers are all just her own amazing brain but she is from a family that is True. heavily yeah. bloodline oriented i mean it would be pretty likely that the kid would have powers but i'm just saying might be a twist i would love that twist I would especially love if there was a, I kind of imagine this about Harry Potter. So here's my Harry Potter fanfic. We don't need to search it on the internet. My name is not attached to it in any way, shape or form. But I did have a Harry Potter dream that was more like 21st century Harry Potter. We updated a whole bunch. And instead of just like waving your wand it was all about like infusing the magic from harry potter into technology so at the time i think it was like ipods but basically if you could like put magic into an ipod what would that device be able to do that's what i thought like the new wizards would be taught at school they would be taught like how to combine technology like the way that we learn how to type and our parents didn't they learned cursive or whatever (laughs) it's like in the new world You'd go to school and you'd learn magic trades, but they would be really technology focused. That could be this kid. He could be really technology focused and of the new generation. Yeah, I think that's pretty safe to assume. An inventor type, you know, a Tesla, (laughs) a Nikola Tesla, not a modern Tesla. Those are just robots. Our last question I thought was very interesting and is actually something that I have been thinking about as well. Someone asked Brandon to sort of explain the strength before weakness part of the first ideal in more detail, because one of the sort of descriptions of what strength before weakness means kind of makes it sound like the Knights Radiant are responsible for, like, always being strong and that, like, weakness is 
bad. And I've been reading the descriptions of the first ideal lately, and I kind of clocked that and was like, hmm, I don't know if I like that, actually, this particular description of, like, what that means. And so I was glad to hear Brandon explain more and kind of expound on this idea. He said, quote, we are strong and everyone will be weak. The idea is that you are strong for the weak when the weak cannot be strong because someone will need to be there for you to be strong when you are weak. That's the core concept of it. Everybody is weak sometimes. Everybody is strong sometimes. And we need each other. And that's kind of the philosophy behind strength before weakness. Definitely a more binding way of thinking about that, you know, in a more unifying way of like, we are going to cover for one another. We're going to, you know, be the person who's got each other's backs because like you're going to, what Navani and Dalinar say to each other uh, about... Helping when your partner's back is bowed because you know that when your back is bowed, your partner will help you. That is strength before weakness. And I feel like there are so many different times that we have obviously said these words and read these words and a lot of emphasis has been put on them with the ideals of the Knights Radiant. But to really understand the philosophy is, I think, what Dalinar is trying to do now and what will be kind of a greater exploration of this final book and perhaps the greater Stormlight Archive series. But I do just like I love the simplicity and the complexity that Brandon has brought to these ideals. Yeah. You want to close out with a Stormlight Archive explained badly? I absolutely do. And first, I just want to reiterate one last time, the final time for Brooke's birthday. Can you please rate us, review us, share us with your friends, make more people aware of the Cosmere Conversations? It has been a wonderful summer. That is all the promoing that we will do. And we are so thankful to all of the listeners, whether you are a one-time listener, a weekly listener, or are over on the Patreon, having lots of fun, getting extra episodes. Everyone, thank you so much. And now, Stormlight Archive explained bad news. Quote, it's like Pixar's Inside Out, where emotions are real and memories are little beads, but darker and with war and stuff. <laughs> End quote. And that is from Chris S., it's perfect. It really is. I love it. <laughs> Before we go, uh, just a quick reminder that we will be taking a short break for our second pandemic Cosmere infused uh, wedding <laughs> and honeymoon. <laughs> and honeymoon. And we will be back. We have tons of episode ideas already queued up for when we come back um, after this Rhythm of War series has completed. We've had so many episode ideas that have kind of been put on the back burner while we deep dove into Rhythm of War. So we're really excited to get to those when we come back. And until next time, life before death, strength before weakness, journey before destination.